Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Are you good? I hope you're feeling fired up, not too down on the confidence. It's been a bit of a topic on the social media just lately. Jump in, get involved at Arrest All Mimics. Got that episode coming up soon. Bit of a deep one, talking personal work and confidence. Opening a can of worms that one. But anyway, the weather this week is... Dragon glass recycling bins. <laughs> yes, we've got a returning guest in Arrest Almanac's alumni coming up today for you. Kyla Paolucci returns, HBO designer and brilliant lettering artist, artist, illustrator, embroiderer, as we're going to be talking about coming up. She's a broadly talented lady, great character, good friend of mine. I'm excited to bring her back to the show, talking from a different angle this time. We're going to be discussing the balance between full-time job in the big city, talking about New York, and progressing your own style when time is scarce and inspiration comes at a time when you're carrying a lot of other responsibility. I'm going to get into all that deep stuff coming up shortly. But first, I'm going to thank my wonderful sponsors. I keep the show free every week for you guys. Illustration Limited, illustrationweb.com representing over 200 different illustrators from all different disciplines, doing live, large-scale fashion, design, all sorts of different stuff going up. Go and check them out. They've got a real broad range. Got a great news section, giving you a little bit of the backstage information on these projects that they're carrying out right across the globe right now, represented in so many different countries. Such a broad talent base. Go and have a look at the portfolios and the news. It's all good stuff. So cheers to those guys for being there from day one. HeartInternet.co.uk, my tech sponsor, and they give us a nice little digital tip every week to go along with their great services that they provide. All sorts of stuff. SEO, that's search engine optimization for any technophobes who don't know what it means. <laughs> that's where you are on Google. That's how you're showing up when people search terms for whatever it is that you're creating. But they also provide a great lot of support for social media. Um, this week, I wanted to just touch upon Kyla's. She's got such a broad portfolio, right? Working across lots of different projects. She freelances on major films. She's done quite a few Hollywood stuff. Works at HBO and she also does this inherently personal stuff. And right across all three of those, she's doing great work in GIFs, moving image. There's some awesome little promos for so many different shows now. Um, And she's started doing some really cool stuff for Instagram stories as well for some of the shows at HBO, which we'll get into a little bit later on today. But it's worth checking out the range and the different text she uses on her website. So go and have a look at that and think about how you can use your work across different platforms to save yourself the time creating lots of new work. There's so many different things you can do with one project to uh, to really get the fill from that and really make the most of it. So go and check out a portfolio to look at that. A little tip from heartinternet.co.uk. Printed.com, my print sponsor. Go and check them out. Um, I use them for the show, I use them for my personal work. I tell you that every week. But it's true, and I love what they do, and they've got great customer service. Um, and again, they give a little tip from their world of print. Uh, Kyla's stuff translates so well to print. I might have mentioned it before, but I've got a few of her pieces on my wall as a fan of her work. Um, and when I went round to record this show at Kyla's flat in uh, in Brooklyn, there's a brilliant piece on the wall and she'd embroidered it, right? So she'd gone from printing this stuff to embroidering it. 
it translates so well to um, to the tactile and the handheld and the hand. You know, just the texture you get from stuff. So she does a number of prints, so it's worth checking them out. Um, and there's one piece that's on her wall, and it just it's kind of a, as she talks about a little later on today, it's kind of semi autobiographical, and it's just a kind of face, black and white, with a bit of red on the lips. Um, and speech bubble just says it's so over. Um, you're going to hear it in quite a different accent when Kyla tells us a little later today on the show, but <laughs> there you have it from me. And it just it does something else when you see it printed. So go and have a look again on a website, and it just goes to show the power of print. So that is courtesy of printed.com. So Kyla Paolucci returns to the show, um, HBO designer, illustrator, artist, lettering specialist. She does GIFs, Instagram stories, as I mentioned earlier, for the shows. Really broadly talented person, and I wanted to get her back to talk now that she's been at HBO a little while about the balance between working for such a global giant in a major city like New York and retaining sight of what you want to do with your personal work. How does one influence the other? Some fascinating stories actually coming from Kyla, and um, and she seems to have a really great sense of why it's important not to see one thing as being the death of the other. So, you know, a lot of people get full-time jobs and see that as the end of their personal pursuit in the art world. I don't think that's the case. Quite the opposite. I think that can benefit, can give you a range of emotions and feelings, whether that's frustration, um, insights into things that you might never otherwise come across. Um, perversely, I think the other way, you can you can influence the work you're doing for such a company by bringing your personal stuff to that and maybe trying to push to get that more involved. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. We're going to go in depth about how that feels and why New York is still important for her to, uh, to keep being creative and to retain that kind of energy because... I've had so many conversations recently with people in full-time roles where they're quite frustrated because people are resting on their laurels a little bit and sitting on their hands because they're comfortable in a role. Um, and I think it can be the death of creativity if you allow it to be. But as I think you'll get a sense of later on today, Kyla is anything but that. And uh, she's a fascinating, interesting person to be around. And I love spending time with her when she goes... Sorry, when, when I go to New York and when she comes to London, it's... Um, it's a real energising experience, so I hope you get that from the show today. We're going to get into depth on a lot of those topics. Um, what's been going on? What's been going on? Association of Illustrators have opened the World Illustration Awards at Somerset House. That's on till the 28th of August. Go and check that out. God, there's such a panorama of stuff. I was fortunate enough to be shortlisted this year. Didn't make the, uh, the roll call of winners this time. Always frustrating, but the stuff that did win, I felt good strong stuff so i can't really complain and it's all subjective it's all opinions in this world as we know so can't get too down on that go check out last week's episode anyway on or to that end where we're talking about the importance of awards with uh bruce duckworth his work's out there for all to see so go and check it out go listen to that episode and see how you feel lots coming up soon we'll get into that a little later but i'm not going to keep you from kyla much longer because i think we should get right into it so you find me in brooklyn with HBO designer and brilliant, versatile, talented illustrator, designer, artist, whatever else you want to call her stuff, Kyla Paolucci. We, t- we talked, how long ago was it? A year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Yeah, because I was in a different apartment. When we last talked, yeah. So, since we're sat in front of your drafting table, which above we have, of course, your work. We've got David Bowie. Minus minus cod piece. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a labyrinth film poster going on there. 
Um, what else have we got? We've got embroidery, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, yeah. um, up on the wall. So where do we find you? Where are you at H- You're still at HBO, right? I'm at HBO now. I wasn't before last time we talked. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm at HBO, and I'm designing for social media and digital media, social assets, Facebook, um, Instagram, and doing a lot of marketing, which is new for me, sort of. Yeah. But, yeah, new. Um, and I'm in Park Slope, a little neighborhood away from where I used to be in Cobble Hill. Which is very cool. It's very cosmopolitan around here. And feels like Hipsterville, is that right? Not any... This isn't Hipsterville. No? I don't think so. I think this is like Strollerville. (laughs) (laughs) I tell people I live in Park Slope, they're like, oh, you're in grown-up Brooklyn now. (laughs) But I'm, you know, it's not like I'm getting any younger, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's cool, though. Yeah, I love it here. wandering around here. I've just... I'm, I'm kind of... I've been here three days and I'm already visually exhausted, which is a really good thing. Just, I'm just soak up, soak it all up. That's all I've been doing this time. New York. It's, you, do you still have that going on? Because you've been here a while now, haven't you? Um, I think that's why I like traveling a lot because I can come home and it feels like home. Mm. And I like different parts. I love New York. It's just like it, it's been getting better as like the more I've been here. Sometimes I get sad or like I want to go back to Rhode Island to see my family, but. I think living in this part of Brooklyn is nice because it feels so homey. And when I go to places like Bushwick to see friends, it's just like it's a different... It's almost like a lifestyle shift, but it's also different architecture, so it's nice and different. Mm. Yeah, and like I started even going... I went to a new neighborhood this past year because I rock climb and I went to uh, Long Island City, which I never really spent any time in. And I even like it there. I like it everywhere here. Nice. Um, and how far, so, so where is HBO based? HBO is uh, based in Bryant Park, right next to Bryant Park, 42nd Street. So right next to Times Square. Lots so of tourists. Central. Yeah. It's actually really fun because sometimes when I need a little break from work, I'll go for a walk and I will pass all of the people who are dressed in costumes. And oh, I'll I love cheer, those guys. Yeah, it cheers me up. It's, they're actually, did, have you picked up on, do you reckon there's turf war? Me and Sean was looking at this the other day and I think there's turf war. You know, when you walk around, there's like multiple Pikachus and you've got to think there's some kind of feuding going on there. Yeah. I mean, well, or it's like, how, why would you dress as Pikachu today? Like, I thought you were supposed to be like Mario or Lego <laughs> Batman. <laughs> like, why are you stealing my character? I don't know, it's weird, and like, I don't know, people will be like, why do you, like, that must drive you crazy, all the tourists, like, I actually enjoy, there aren't a lot of tourists around lunchtime, mm. but, like, I actually don't mind them, because I'm like, oh, this is so refreshing, people are seeing the city for the first time, and yeah. I feel so jaded. There's a real, but yeah, actually, that buzz must be a lift in its own way. Yeah, I'm like, oh, New York is magical, even though it, like, smells like pee. Like you are, like people are standing where it reeks like pee, and they are still having so much fun. <laughs> I had that the other day. I can't remember where I was, and I walked in somewhere, and it smelled like piss. Yeah, and I was like, okay, but they're they so, they're, they're so grinning. They're taking photographs of yeah. whatever it is. I'm like, is that the sewer? Is that like human waste? I don't know. <laughs> but people are happy, uh, so yeah, I do that, um, and I like working near Times Square. I worked all around the city. Well. 
Actually, yeah, since I've been working in the city, I worked in Midtown at a couple places. I worked in Lower Manhattan, and I feel like I have a good understanding of all of Manhattan now, so. Yeah. I like Midtown because it's pretty central. It's not a terrible commute, but I see the good in it, and I have a nice workplace. Mm. So just to give some idea on what sort of projects a few highlights from HBO, what kind of things are you doing on a day-to-day basis? So when I started there, I was mostly on um, marketing for their HBO Now product, but I definitely wanted to get more into illustration and things for them, and I somehow ended up doing a project for them uh, when Game of Thrones was happening, season six, and we had a new show coming out called After the Throne, After the Thrones, and I had to do these episodic images for um, just for the product itself. So like when you would tune in every week, you would see this little image. So I would do illustrations based off of the Game of Thrones episode. And I would had to do it in like this flat illustration style that I've never really worked in before. But it was fun. It was like minimal and good. And it was different for me. And I just kind of went along with it. And it actually helped simplify my drawing style a little bit more mm-hmm. and I started to it simplified it but it also made me have more control over what I was doing so that was really fun and I like Game of Thrones so the content like, I was excited to do it every week Yeah. so that was one of the best things I did I had done this really cool infographic for Six Feet Under when we were trying to revive some viewership so all of these things are on social media to kind of retain our viewers or to get unique viewers or a new audience. Um, and they're just like nice, fun images on the internet. But I kind of treated them more than that, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, we did that. And then we had a new show come out called Vice Principals, and starring Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down. Have you ever seen that show? Very... M- one or two episodes, I have friends who absolutely love it. He's amazing. He's so good. So I was stoked to be working on it because we had um, an illustrator create um, this like teaser key art for the show, which was similar to my style. or and It was in the middle between my style and your style. Mm. It was like... Kind of, I think I showed you it was like notebooky, and I was like, Why would they hire somebody to do this when, like, <laughs> come on, like, I'm, I'm here, but I also don't really have that, you know, reputation. <laughs> like, hey, hire me, like, I may just sit in a cubicle, but you know, I can draw. <laughs> but anyway, I did have, um, I have some really great directors at HBO who asked me to do some social assets for vice principals, kind of mimicking the style of this key art. And then we eventually did weekly, like, mini animations um, based on the characters in the show. And I had a blast with those. And those are mostly all on my site. But, yeah, Mm. that was probably the most fun because it was, like, really true to my genuine drawing style. Like, I didn't really have to, like, fake it or make it something it wasn't. And, again, like, I worked with really great directors who like kind of helped me stay focused on like the whole vibe of the show without getting too girly because sometimes my style can be girly yeah 
sometimes it can be like too punky or like so it's funny with like that type of drawing style with like line drawing it can either go one way or another just by like the harshness of your lines or like how whimsical you want to be so I like can pretty I can control that now which is a fun thing to do I can yeah. do it like if I were you could tell if it's a female drawing it or like maybe a male drawing mm-hmm. it or it's completely genderless I don't know has a genre to it so yeah. I've been experimenting with that and how much so how much scope is there you mentioned there that there were certain elements where you were you could bring your natural personal style into that how much scope is there for that and 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 how much of a good or bad thing is that um a good amount I mean if my style isn't good for a particular project I like I can't I can't mimic every type of style of illustration. I can do the best I can, but it because I'm doing it, it's always going to have like a little touch of my aesthetic to it. Yeah. So it's hard to get rid of that. Yeah. And sometimes it's better to just like pass off the project to something to somebody else or outsource it just so it can like be what this you know, it's a program, it's an actual mm. other piece of art that you're supporting. So it has to be true to the programming as well but it's nice when I can I'm chosen to just kind of like do my style mm. I'm like oh this is fun like HBO is letting Kyla get some yeah. play but um, it doesn't happen all the time but when it does it's like nice and I'm okay when it doesn't yeah which I guess is important yeah and do you have this is a, again all these questions popping in my head off coffee which is the best way <laughs> but do you ever want to just climb in the show through the screen and sort of because I know you because we talked last time about some of your work on on uh, while we're young but so do you ever want to just get in there and kind of work on a, on a, on a more intrinsic level whether it's set design costume design and I things? mean all the time I have so many goals and like I really value my you know where I'm at like my corporate job obviously I would love to do more production but there you know it's hard to just kind of break into that especially when you have all these other job responsibilities but yeah of course every time I see a show I'm like I can do that I can do that signage in that show I can do their titles like I can do all this but you must be getting a on a subconscious level you you must be feeling this must be giving you ideas for when you do get those opportunities yeah sure and like it's it's nice to follow the agencies that do do the title treatments on some of these HBO shows like Westworld are awesome and like mm. that's not my style at all but I would want to like somehow be a part of that or like understand how you know yeah those oh god they're so good vinyl had really great opening credits which was like really nice film it just felt very hands on in mm. terms of production um, and I guess because I worked on a few films. I worked on another one in this past year as well. I'm starting to understand what goes into all of these little bits and pieces now. So, I mean, I've always been the type of person that if somebody asks me to do work on like something in a film and I've never done it before, I'll be like, hey, I've never done this before. But because, like, you know, you want me to do this and mm. you don't have to pay me too much money. I'm just trying to learn. <laughs> but... I think, like, that's how I kind of get jobs. I kind of compromise, like, financially because I say that I want to do this, I want to do this well, and just help me along the way. And usually 
they'll put it, have enough trust in me to actually do it. And if it goes terribly wrong, yeah, which luckily nothing has yet, but there have been like some close calls. It's nature of the beast. It's a. It's a. I'm sure you've learned it's little time, yeah, little materials to work with. But you respond and you just you do it. You you make it happen. Yeah, I also like. I'm lucky because I don't have too much to lose in terms of finances. Like, I'm not relying on freelance work. I'm doing freelance work to improve my identity as an illustrator or a designer or whatever I am at this point. I think that having... My mom calls it the bread and butter. Like, sometimes I'm like, I get frustrated (laughs) with, like, corporate work. She's like, well, you need to... You need your job and you need to do freelance on the side. I'm like, but then I have no social life. She goes, it's okay. That's your bread and butter, Kyla. You need to. You need to have that. She doesn't talk with that thick of an accent, but she, like... (laughs) <laughs> it's very hard on me, and I'm grateful for it. But um, I try to get a lot of freelance work as much as I can. That's good, though, because I mean, that's this is what this is this fascinates me, because there are different. There were so many different dynamics in what you're doing. Like, so you know, some people would look and go, "Oh my God, working at HBO, Game of Thrones, everything else." And of course, that always comes with its drawbacks because it's a big corporation, and, and we and. Therefore, you don't always get the the freedom that maybe a freelancer would. Right. But at the same time, you get to try lots more things. I imagine meet more people. Um, so I, I was very interested in that dynamic because because it's not like you're idling on your freelance stuff either. You're doing some really amazing projects in film, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I want to ask you in a little bit about the Daniel Radcliffe stuff. The the film. I forget the name of the film. Imperium. Uh, Imperium. That looked fascinating as a project, and and so you are. You know, you were step by step and it's very early days in your career I think that, that but you're really establishing a great identity you know your your lettering stuff that we talked about and your illustrative stuff as you know I'm a huge fan it's, it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it's so you thank you because um, that I feel like <laughs> it's nice to hear that because I oh I still feel like I have such a lack of an identity or like I don't put enough of myself on the internet or like market myself too much but it's nice to know that people can recognize when I do certain lettering things. So. I disagree. I think you've got. I think you've got one of the strongest identities I've come across, and that's not ass kissing. Like I don't, don't really do that because no one learns from it. But I think like you, you, you know, I'm a huge fan. Like the, I mean, right now we're staring across at an embroidered piece framed. It's so over. It made me laugh so much when I first saw that piece, the illustrated version. I did that right after I got home from London. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So just to leap a thousand miles, what, 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 why, and when did you decide to uh, to embroider your illustration? That's quite a unique combination of disciplines. Yeah. Oh God. When did I start really doing it? Okay. So, Instagram obviously is. I try to use Instagram in the most productive way as I can. Sometimes I get too drawn to the social aspect of it. But more than half the time, I am finding a lot of inspiration from other artists on there. And I started following a lot of embroidery artists. And I was kind of feeling stumped in my own drawings. And I couldn't come up with anything new. Or I just didn't have any material because there wasn't anything tumultuous going on in my life at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Just like there wasn't anything happening for me. I, I started to do like small little like writing words I was really busy with work but I needed something new to kind of like distract myself from like reality I guess 
So I followed these embroidery artists, went on YouTube and watched people embroider, found an embroidery shop in Soho, bought all the stuff that I thought I needed, and then it was like trial and error for a week. I wouldn't allow myself for more than a week to mess up. Like I absolutely needed to start embroidering like well. And my first pieces weren't very good because I didn't know how to stitch properly. So I had like a specimen with all these little doodles out of thread, which I was like planning, like I need to finish all of this until like I can frame it until it's a finished piece, which is just a little test. It's like almost having a test sheet of paper when you're trying out new pens and like trying out new stitches. So then I had these little illustrations of I did this one. It's a girl that... Ben was talking about with it's definitely a self-portrait in a way it's like a girl with red lips ray-bans and messy hair saying it's so over <laughs> you say it's so much better than me I'm like it's so over and you're like it's no it's so over it's very like Daria um I was yeah that was me that was me saying to somebody or something that like I'm moving on and I have my cool sunglasses on. But that's what I was wearing when I was in London. I had, like, a little hoodie. I was, like, really into my identity back then because I didn't change my hairstyle and I was wearing the same sweatshirt every day for, like, a month. So I had, like, that was my grounding. Um, but the embroidery was fun because it felt... It's really kitschy. It felt really kitschy. Mm-hmm. I was really connecting to, like older women because and obviously I have like a thing for hobby hobbies amongst older women I don't know there's something so beautiful about it that like feels like eternal youth but also like I don't know I just I just like the idea of stitching for you know solitude um and all of the women that I was learning from on YouTube were you know, do it. they're so good at doing this. And I wasn't, like, learning from a young girl or, like, anyone around my age. I was just, like, really studying these women on YouTube who, like, knew their shit. <laughs> so. But it's, it, like you said, kitsch is probably the word because it's, it might, yeah, it's traditionally a very, uh, it's of the older generation. But it's, how, you don't, you don't see it happening now, but here, here you are. You've got a very contemporary style, and all of a sudden you've brought it into a contemporary environment, so it's refreshed. Yeah, it's really arts and crafts, and I've like noticed that on Instagram too, where I've noticed a lot of artists kind of like using kitsch and elevating it in a nice way, and I thought, like, I can do that. Mm. So I'm just going to give it a shot and see like if I have if I can bring it somewhere else. And it's time-consuming. It's really time-consuming, so I don't have all the time in the world to like make... Like, that one took me a little while, and it's small. Yeah, but it's got a real naivety that's beautiful about it. I mean, you're drawing us anyway, but translated there, it's a very subtle shift, but it does something totally new. Yeah, I allow the mistakes to happen. Like, it's not exactly... I Like, if I have a drawing that I'm recreating in thread, I'm not... It's not going to be exactly like my drawing. I don't care about being um, that strict with myself, because i rather kind of take advantage of the medium and see what it's going to do because then it has like its own authenticity to it like you can see the stitches underneath mm. the piece as well yeah when you're not really supposed to but I also try to pay attention so this one has little stars 
And when I made the stitches for the stars, they almost start to look like constellations because of the thread that's behind. Which is really nice. I would try to like use that to my advantage. But that was fun. I want to make more of that one. I don't know if I'm going to like make multiple editions of just like one particular drawing or try to do more, but I think it might be good to just like make multiple versions of one so people can have them because that's the kitschy aspect of it. That would it. be really cool. I was taught, it's funny you say that about the uh, about the stitches, I find that really interesting because to me, that, and I guess it's all opinion, but to me that makes it more endearing, the human, the honesty in it, you know? Yeah. And I was talking to Stephen Bliss today only a couple of streets away from me and he told me about these, that I was showing you earlier, the big um, multi-layered ripped subway posters that he's been doing and so he, was, cool. he turned them around, he said turn one around, he spent all this time on the front bit turn it around and it was kind of white but, but layers of white and, and very subtle greys I thought that side's more beautiful so then he started to do this um, painting from the top left anyway left it he, he'd rushed it into this show and he planned to come back uh, I think it was a week later to, to, to spend another week on it and he, his friend didn't know this at the show and I want to buy that as it is and he was like okay sold it for like a handsome price but it really made him think about not finishing the rest of them and it's kind of shifted, you know, the way style's gone. Yeah. I love that, the the sort of accident, the accidental discovery of something. I like that too. I don't know, like, some people say, like, oh, that's laziness, like, you're not finishing the piece. But it's really, like, if that is part of you or part of what you're trying to communicate, then I think it's, like, it's yeah. nice. And yeah. It's a, there is intrinsic beauty in it. Yeah. Well, it's a life and soul of all your, your very personal stuff is that it is human and it, and it gives that illusion that you could have done that in seconds, which is very rarely the case with simple stuff. Yeah. Because it's so yours that even if that was the case, so what? It's beautiful. Or if people who don't understand art, they have the argument like, I can do this, like I can draw this yeah. at a bar just But sticking. you didn't. And it's like, yeah, but... And that's why it's on my website, and it's mine. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, this is purposeful. Like, I'm lazy, yeah. yes. I am lazy, but that's Run why I'm it. drawing in this style, because yeah. that's what I'm trying to show you. I'm lazy. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. So these are, like, my basic thoughts in visual form. Do you, do you find it do you find that balance frustrating the, the, the sort of work and personal I know you said it was time consuming but it's I, I mean we, we, I guess we said it there in a roundabout way that it's got its own positives in that you have less time so therefore maybe you're not procrastinating as much but would you change it if you could like if you could expand your week by twice oh yeah totally I would I mean I would just like I think sometimes when you have to design for yourself or draw for yourself especially with like my little handwriting pieces or even embroidery I need a lot of time to not do anything and to actually kind of have some field research or experience life in a different way to um, come up with material whereas if I'm you know working all the time or freelancing constantly I don't really have that freedom to really develop something so it does become mm. a little bit of an obstacle and when it does happen, I just go with it, and I don't sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, drawing on my downtime at work, waiting to, you know, do a new task at work, or like I have a really quick idea, I write it down in my notebook, and then I say, you know what, like that's very like quick and raw. I'm just going to take a photo of this, edit it in Photoshop really quick, and just like post it, yeah. and just like have that. At, like it's just a sketch, but it's a sketch that I'm kind of like 
realizing at the same time. So I tried to do that for myself just to like feel somewhat productive and then maybe I can go back and do some long, long form stuff. Yeah. But now I have like these sketches that aren't so much sketches because they're just like little pieces. But they all like live somewhere and they're identified as their own thing to be turned into something bigger if I want to later. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like a to-do list. <laughs> like my yeah. Instagram is turning into a to-do list. <laughs> That's good though. Because yeah. who knows what gets picked up from there. I mean, we uh, we talked last time about the work you've done on the, while we're young, and I'm pretty sure, if memory serves, that you that was uh, someone in your network saw the stuff you were already doing that was very you, mm-hmm. and it was Adam Stockhausen, right, who, who saw that and said, "That's what I need for this film." Mm-hmm. Is that right? Have I, my memory got yeah, right? Yeah, he asked my my friend um, Mike actually reached out to me and said, "Hey, we're looking for somebody with a similar drawing style to you." And with While We're Young, I had done the first assignment for Adam Stockhausen, and he didn't like it because it wasn't in my drawing style. And he said, I need you to draw a cow the way you would draw a cow, not mm. the way you think you should draw a cow for this. Yeah. So then I just kind of let go of like all of my preconceptions about what something should look like and just do it myself. I actually did that this week for another project I was working on. Oh, yeah? I was doing a board game for... It was like a personal project for somebody... And I just had to add illustrations, and I was debating whether or not I should make it look like the actual board game illustrations or just kind of do it in my own style and make it feel like a new type. Like, you know when board games have different editions? Like, the art is just, like, slightly off. So I was like, let me just make it, like, a unique edition because it is. So I did it in my style. Kyla edition. Kyla edition, but, like, (laughs) mostly her edition, but, like, you know... Makes it a little bit more sentimental for her to give as a gift to somebody. Well, but how much more? Yeah, so much more beautiful because it's come from the eye's soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm also all the illustrations were like the direction came from you know my client and what she wanted. So that's it's special for her too because mm. she like feels like she has control over it. Yeah, it's like a proposal. Well, I don't know when this is coming out. <laughs> Well, I will uh, when I I don't know when it's going to run, but when I do, I will ask. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, it's just like a fun little thing. It's a fun little gift thing. It's going to be great. I don't want a torpedo of marriage on my podcast hands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. So what was what other stuff have you been doing in film? Because I know you worked on the. I've forgotten it for the second time this podcast, Daniel Radcliffe film title. Imperium (laughs) with uh, Daniel Rebusius. Yeah, he's great. So the director was um, a connection from another director who I I did my first film with. Mm -hmm. And she gave my name to this, um, to Dan. And he reached out to me asking me to help him with some post-production design work for the film Imperium, starring Daniel Radcliffe. It's about um, an FBI agent who goes undercover as a neo-Nazi. And he has to kind of, like, adapt to this, like, weird subculture. And I did a lot of graphics, um, not in my actual type of graphic or illustration style at all, actually. I did um, user interfaces on computer screens. Um... I did, like, a fake white supremacist TV network. Mm. So 
things like that. It was actually really fun, and I got to become better acquainted with After Effects, which helped me with my actual job that I'm grateful for. Um, but it was fun. I learned a lot about white supremacy <laughs> and <laughs> how shitty it is. The dark underbelly. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. And then, you know, yeah, I went on too many of those websites. I was like, oh, God, they're going to put me on government watch for the things that I'm, like, <laughs> researching. I was, like, on the, you know, uh, really terrible, like, forum website. I was researching how, like, bombs and demographics yeah. of Washington, D.C. I was, like, making a map of Washington, D.C. and how to bomb it. Yeah. If this podcast comes out, they're going to, like, think I'm, like, a homegrown terrorist. <laughs> it's all right. The backstory's there. But We're clear. I think, like, even the director was just like, yeah, you know, I, I, <laughs> I had, like, the same thing. It's, you know, it's okay. It's fine. But he was really wonderful to work for because I learned so much. And he um, trusted me a lot with what I was doing. And I helped make a website for his film also. But it was a fun aesthetic to work on. And it was another film that I got to do. Um, And it was post-production. And again, like I said, interfaces within a film that you think are already have been filmed but they hadn't been at all yeah so i learned a new process which was great whereas with the while we're young i had to do everything before they filmed Mm. and that was that was a little bit harder of a time constraint in a way not to say that this one this one wasn't a time constraint totally was but um yeah it was like two very different areas of film design but yeah i also worked on another one um title is non-disclosed but I had to make some bird illustrations I thought of Laura but that was like a nice little prop back yeah. to something similar to like while we're young yeah but yeah I they were really things. nice so yeah so I pop up I'm, I'm so used I've got a, a newfound affinity for uh, for bird illustrations oh, yeah you mentioned Laura there I'm coming I come in the flat now for any for listeners my girlfriend <laughs> uh, runs Little Birds Talk and she does Greetings cards and other paraphernalia. Paraphernalia, what a word. With, uh, <laughs> Bird paraphernalia. Yeah. Bird uh, paraphernalia, yeah. They're, With, so, uh, they're so amazing, though. I love, they have so much personality. <laughs> but it was funny when I was like told I had to do this bird drawing in my illustration style. I was like, I looked at Laura's website. I'm like, I wonder if she's done any warblers lately. <laughs> like, See, I know the name of that now. I'm yeah, like, you're yeah. learning. I wouldn't have before, yeah. But yeah, birds are actually really fun to draw. They're like such cute little creatures. I had a very hard time with it, and I had to do it over and over and over again. But I learned how to draw a bird. <laughs> so good. So the um, the angsty teenage girl aesthetic that I'm so drawn to in your work, and I know we've talked about this at length mm-hmm. on the record and off the record. Is it is the force still strong? Is, uh... The force is still very, very strong. <laughs> I'm so tied to my, like, you know, teen self. Or, like, this whole, like, emerging adulthood type of stage of development that I just can't let go of. <laughs> Maybe I will one day, but I don't think but I it's not, is it? It's not, I mean, it, but it's not your teen self, is it? It's you. It is very much me. It's, it's, it's you, a 27-year-old woman. <laughs> it is. 
It's not. It's no longer a teen. And like it, I've I've seen my style develop over time. I've totally seen like my hand lettering style change slightly. My line quality get better and more refined. Mm. I like to think that my work is a bit more like elegant and feminine now, but it isn't really. It's kind of genderless, in my opinion. Very genderless. I think so. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, I don't think it's like over overly feminine at all. No, I've got I've got the print of yours, the uh, "What Is Love" on my studio wall. That's not got a gender. You really you don't think that one's? Feminine? I don't know what it is. It's brilliant. <laughs> That's what it is. It's brilliant. It doesn't need a gender. It's just it's bizarre and, and wonderful. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, the subject's obviously a female, just about, but it's like yeah, I like I don't I don't have any male subjects. If I if I have any male, or they're just genderless subjects, they're just figures. I don't even know if the ones that you think are female are female. Even better, they're just kind of whatever they are, representations of feelings. Speaking of, that reminds me, we were out on. Saturday, and you told me a great story which I I logged, and it's just jumped out of my subconscious now. About you told me a great story, and you're gonna have to remind me about. Let me get my wording right here. <laughs> there was some you told me about seeing these um, gay posters. That's what's in my oh, mind. Oh, okay. So that was another illustration project. I. There is this artist, Rachel Stern, who I went to RISD with, and she's phenomenal. And she asked me to do some hand lettering because she saw my Instagram, I'm pretty sure. Yes, this is the one. Yes, and she needed to make t-shirts for a project she was working on. And the reference she sent me were, like, gra- like um, photos or, you know, screen grabs or whatever from it seemed like a gay erotica comic book from, like, the 70s. Yes. And they were amazing. And they were uh, three sayings. I think it was make love, uh, fuck you, and love me. And they had their own, like, obviously, because it was illustrated, the t-shirts were hand-lettered. Mm. And she wanted me to mimic the hand-lettering. And I was like, yes, I can totally do this. This is so fun. It was awesome. And I was so happy that that was the reference, too. Because I was, like, so, good. so connected to it. And it came, it came out nice, and she sent me a t-shirt. That's really cool. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, I love them so much. So, yeah, and she also made a pin out of the Love Me one, which was great. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, I had, yeah, she was, she's a really great person to work with because the material that she couldn't come up with just, like, kind of jives with my lettering style. Mm. Or she just art directed in a good way where she was like, you, I want you to do this for me. Yeah. So, it happened nicely. But, yeah, God, that was so fun. <laughs> I was just like, what is this comic book and where do I get it? It's brilliant. When you told me about that, I just it just screamed you. I don't know why. It just, it just seems, yeah, seems like it sounds like someone that knows and appreciates you and your work, the person who got you to do this project. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I have a lot of respect for her, too, so it's like, I, I need to do a good job on, on this. That's good. Like, I want to do a good job. I love working for, like, I also started um, another little side project with a high school friend of mine, and her company is called Love and & Destroy, and she makes these really cool little 3D printed products um, for the home and for smoking, and as well as, like, handmade, hand-poured candles. 
And her brand is really fun and fresh, and she lets me do some illustration, and I helped her kind of uh, get her Instagram going with some, you know, insights to art direction, but then she completely ran with it and is doing a really cool thing with her sets and photo direction. Mm -hmm. And now I can just, like, I helped her with her logo, and I um, create some illustrations based off of her products now. So I, I think we'll be doing a lot more. And that's been fun because, again, I get to use my illustration style. Very cool. Yeah, so. You I just like, need to build up enough art directors who get you. Yeah, I just, like, I really like working with my artist friends. Like, they're just very refreshing because yeah. we have, everyone has, seems to have this attitude, like, it's just kind of, like, carefree, but you want the quality to be good. Yeah. So that's what makes it like a yeah. fun project. Like it's people who know exactly what they want. They want it to be good, but they also want to have fun with it and see where it goes. They're not up against any big budgets or data. Yeah. Or you know marketing schemes. Who mm. knows? But maybe they will be one day, and that will be great for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I suppose there is always that decision to make when you reach a certain level. That's what. Yeah. There are, there's almost a dividing line to a degree, isn't there? Between. Yeah companies were operating under certain pressures to deliver a certain amount of whatever it is viewership money I don't know but mm-hmm. you know I don't know it's, that's why I was fascinated with your, your balance I guess because by virtue of being at a company the size of HBO there must be a dynamic of that but then on the flip side I like learning about the, the marketing side of it for sure especially mm. working with uh, my friend Brittany who um, heads Love and Destroy uh, the marketing aspect of HBO was fun because Brittany understands social media in a good way that works for her and what her brand is and what her aesthetic is. And then I can kind of, you know, give my two cents based off of the experiences I've been having at work Mm. and kind of, you know, make my style shift to, like, fit her needs as the, you know, founder, director of all of this. Mm. So, yeah, HBO has benefits of, like, helping me with my personal stuff as well. Yeah, and my personal stuff can help me manage, like, have a better attitude towards yeah. my daily work. Definitely, because I got a guy that contacted to me recently. I always put out a little call saying, "Get me suggestions. Who do you want to hear from? Do you want to be on the show?" And I get very few people coming back. Maybe it's because artists are quite, re- you know, reticent when it comes to putting themselves forward. But one guy said, "Okay, I." I one guy came back and said, "I want to hear from more in-house designers." Hmm. Um, because he, you know, he was saying, I've seen some great work recently from in-house designers, and it's, you know, there's, okay, you get freelance stuff and you get the the people working for companies, but, you know, nothing's right or wrong within those frameworks, it's just what works for individuals, I think, and... Yeah, I think when you work in-house, I think there, there's a pro not a problem, there's this... I guess an obstacle of like coming to terms with what your identity is as an artist or as a designer, what got you to become an in-house designer in the first place. So it's always nice when you work in-house at a place like HBO or even WWE when you find out um, what other people do outside work or you start to learn people's personal style Mm -hmm. aside from what they do at HBO, which has like a very fixed brand and you have to stick to it for the most part. So if you see somebody who can draw or you see somebody who has another, like, incredible, you know, side thing that they create, it, like, 
makes it that much better. You're just like, tell me more about that part of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this whole other side that people have. And like I, everybody I work with has like is talented in some form or another, or like specializes in you know tech or a different kind of design that doesn't always get highlighted on HBO projects. Mm-hmm. But everybody brings what they know or what they're good at. Or like they're, you know, I have a director who's a painter. Cool. On like outside work. He yeah. makes incredible art. Yeah. But, you know, also is works as an in-house designer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It's the way it goes. I think that is a good point, though, because I don't think that if you're an in-house designer, you have to completely give up yourself to your corporation and i think it's really easy to do that it's super easy to do that yeah. because you get comfortable yeah and, and i think you've highlighted some there some of the, just some great uh, uh, how it can be a, a great balance and one can feed the other to a degree mm-hmm. i think you just have to do it sometimes it's hard and it's okay to like i have think i've had problems with that where i've pushed myself so hard especially recently like trying to fit like do i want to be an artist do i want to start making like actual mm-hmm. like go into you know who you know find a gallery have a show make an exhibition I don't really know but all I can really do is just kind of like help build this other side of me that isn't my you know 10 to 6 job every day yeah or like help them all become one I think I said that before I'm like how do I make my like career mesh with my like artistic identity well I think I think um the two are not always mutually exclusive, and one will, you know, the, as as with all walks of life, the little things you pick up will always feed moving forward if you're open to seeing it. And I think you've got a real strong sense of identity in your personal work, so I think you're in a strong position from from an outside point of view, anyway. Yeah, and I have like friends who you know work, work for companies as art directors, and they're actually they they produce their work in their style. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. It would be nice to just have it be singular, but it isn't always. And and maybe that would become boring. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it would. I mean, like, there is that struggle though to like pull yourself out of out of work mm-hmm. and see if that's who you really are, or yeah, if you want yeah, to, yeah, yeah. and if you're okay with it being who you are, yeah. or if you need more. I always need more. I always need more because I'm constantly like unsatisfied with it. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I, I meet extremes of both people who found their thing and they're happy and they will do that for eternity. Mm-hmm. And the other way, I, I get restless. I get itchy feet. I get. I go and do things where I fail miserably and have to come back to the middle and remind myself of what I was doing. <laughs> you know, but that's me. That's just me. And that's the great thing. We're all individuals in this industry, so yeah, that's what makes art beautiful. Yeah, and so you learn something from all those people you meet and the type of work that they are doing or how they manage themselves. Yeah. don't think I've ever asked you this question. This is quite a new one. I've started asking people, have you got a bucket list job? Maybe you don't. A lot of people, a lot of people don't. Is there anything, have you got, if you could pick one job, you know, I don't know, one project, is there something that springs to mind? Um, at HBO or... Anything. It could be. I mean, it could be within that world, or it could be just complete, absolutely anything in the world. Just a project that I've just liked. A project. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was always WWE, but uh, but now it's changed quite a lot. Oh gosh. So what is is there? Maybe there's not anything. I mean, a lot of people don't have an answer to that question, or there are tens of thousands of answers. Um, I guess I've been doing a lot of. I don't know if there's a particular project. I think I've just been 
really researching um, the origin of... I've just been researching drawing a lot lately. I've been going to a lot of museums and trying to kind of pick out things that my style identifies with. Um, MoMA just did a Francis Picabia show, and he had some of his drawings that they showed were incredible. I took so many photos. I'm like, I relate to this. This is mm. nice. So um, I've been really enjoying a lot of museum viewing lately. Um, but in terms of a project, I don't know. No. No, I mean, like, there's just, like, a handful of, like, artists that I've been following who I really love, but I don't know if there's anything, like, in particular. I have to think about it for a second. There was a question that uh, came on a, a little interview I did recently, Doc Martens, and they said, if you could draw anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And it's one of those, like, set-in-stone questions, and I, str- I procrastinated for ages on it. And I surprised myself. I said, Charles Bukowski. Huh. I've been reading a lot of his work recently, okay. and he's such a disagreeable sort of alcoholic. I think for most of his life was an alcoholic, uh, low down and dirty like American writer. And I was like, I'd love to spend like a couple of days with him and just go around with a sketchbook and just you know get drunk with him. And, and I, it caught me off guard that question. It was really thought sort of yeah yeah. So those questions are quite tough, but I, I often find I get surprising answers or, or just no answers. Now that you say it, I think like the, one of the recurring things that have been happening for this year has been Leonard Cohen mm. I think even you know he, God he came out with like You Want It Darker his latest album and then he passed away which was heartbreaking for me because I had just like was trying to figure out if he was going to play anytime soon I knew he was uh, like no. getting quite yeah. old but my mom was a, was a big Leonard Cohen fan but his writing is fantastic so I start to really get into that and I guess like when I go after certain projects it's not so much that I go after visual projects I just go after like actual creative endeavors yeah and I think like his whole like researching him and knowing and having you know admired him for quite a long time I just kind of got really heavy and I went through a heavy Leonard Cohen phase and it started to help me form um some good material for my art as well through some of his writings and just playing with his words because he has a similar um, he's a very emotional dramatic person or he seems dramatic but yeah. I, like I can identify with being dramatic so <laughs> I really enjoy his work a lot but I guess that's one of the main people that I've admired yeah and that was probably be the person that I would want to like draw but maybe just not him maybe just yes. model his work somehow well that was it I wouldn't want I think yeah I found it hard to think oh there's no one I wanted particularly a portrait of but to spend some time with and maybe draw the essence of their life or what's going on in, at that time that was why that's why I chose Mikowski so I was just like oh god I can't because he died some time ago and I thought I can't I can't ever access that now so it made it more desirable in a way you know yeah but yeah, that's really that's interesting, Leonard Cohen. Yeah, another um, I've been really into Milk Makeup that came out in the past year or so. Um, it's a new makeup brand that kind of targets. Um, I don't. I don't. I want to be careful with my words. I suppose, but it's like kind of non-gender, transgender, all people type of makeup brand. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not just based on a female. Yeah. You know, audience. And their art direction is incredible, but I think they kind of like helped 
they were a big part of this like non-design aesthetic that I've been really into lately mm. because I'm, I'm all about like imperfections and you know just experimenting with type and color and they do a really good job of that with everything they come out with so yeah they're always like a good reference point for like my own personal aesthetic and like what I would want to do if I were you know yeah had control of a brand yeah but yeah they're awesome they're so good so nice. two very different things happy bright <laughs> milk makeup incredible fun brand versus like the darkness of Leonard Cohen yeah and his raspy voice <laughs> and his sad lyrics but yeah well off the back of that since we're on moods last bit and I, I actually used one before, once before and I totally can't, I can't remember your answers at all uh, the shark in the tank bit where I ask for a love and a hate or a positive and negative or whatever it is and I will give you the option of using your last answer because that would have worked but you can also okay. have more if you want okay. <laughs> and it's loosely within the creative industry but it doesn't have to not industry within creativity mm-hmm. positive and negative yeah. of the creative industry yeah not 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 creativity rather than creative industry it's just a, it can be as whimsical or as serious or as Fun or whatever. It's whatever you want. It's a wide open question. If someone just answered me in Greek, that would be fine. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the one thing that interests me, which we have also talked about off record, is just the human condition in relationships and how that fuels my work constantly. Mm. Um, and, you know, even I like experiences, even if they're bad ones, because it helps me learn more about myself but I think anybody can really say that but they at least help me create more or force me to because it helps me kind of like self-evaluate things so that's always like the most prominent thing Mm -hmm. in my life especially for my art um definitely a big part about my year has been collaborating with other people and being open-minded to new ideas that aren't mine but adapting and just really trying to take anything that comes my way and own it and make it mine or just make it worthy to like be in my portfolio or be something I'm proud of because I just really want to start making meaningful work. Um, the negatives, probably the human condition in relationships. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say your answer was one of those, every now and again someone it just drops an answer and it, and it works perfectly yeah. for both. So I think you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they can be distracting and terrible and can completely pull you away from your work and who you are. But yeah, it's all about kind of turning that around. So <laughs> it's a uh, good and a bad thing. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. But it don't let it be the bad thing and then you're good. There you go. Everything's great. <laughs> Everyone's happy. And you are still on, what's your website? It's kylapaulucci.com. And my Instagram is kpaulu, which is K-P-A-O-L-U. Cool. So I'm kind of just like using my name and my identity now with my art. I've deleted probably close to a thousand photos on my Instagram to make it more focused on my personal work. So people think I'm less crazy. (laughs) So that took like a couple of days of deleting photos, but we got there. Better curation. Yep. So I'm curating my my life now, just like everyone else. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, as ever, it's been a pleasure and thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm glad to do this again.
Thanks to Kyla for taking the time to sit down with me for yet another interview. Um, if you didn't hear the first one with her, way back a year and a half ago, I think, episode 7, go back and check it out on the uh, on the SoundCloud or on iTunes. It's up there with the entire archive of episodes, so you may want to go back and do that as a two-parter. If you didn't hear part one, you get a whole backstory or influences or uh, interesting family upbringing and all the influences and it'll make a whole lot of sense if you go back and listen to that one too if you haven't already so cheers again to kyla thanks to the wonderful sponsors illustration limited illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com thanks to the aoi the association of illustrators for the ongoing support and like i said do go down to somerset house and check out the world illustration awards such a broad range of of uh, styles in that exhibition definitely worth checking out it's just been out in Korea I believe which has been a huge success too so it's great to see them pushing globally and around the UK too it's going to go on the road once it's been in London so you might get the chance to check that out closer to you if you're not a Londoner we've got creative review coming up for the show very very soon Um, like I mentioned there's an episode getting deep into the issue of confidence and uh, personal work it's a real deep one but that's coming up before too long All going on, all going on. Always a nice batch of uh, shows in the coming up, if that even makes sense. (laughs) Thanks again to the listeners. Cheers, guys, anyway, especially to the regulars who've been there for a long time. Welcome to new listeners. Do stick around. Go and spread the word. Please do go and drop us a review on iTunes if you get a chance. It's a big help for spreading the word. Um, That's about it for today. Yeah. It's all going on, so have a good week. Stay creative. Uh, Go back and check out the archive and share the love, please. And I'll catch you all very, very soon.